inspiring you to reach your goals and live your dream. And live your dream. This is the Keaton Nelson Show. Alrighty, guys. I've got another freaking awesome guest on here today. Uh, Tim Kens. He helps people, well, he helps dealerships, salesmen, entrepreneurs sell more, make more money, and do it like in a, an easier way, less friction, frictionless. He just sent me these books, man. He's the first guest to send me his books. I'm pumped. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. He signed them too. Yeah, absolutely. Out, uh, you guys are listening. Him. Sorry, but he he signed this, dude. You didn't have to do that. I appreciate it, man. Good. I'm glad you like him. Yeah, At least I, I, I got I, I got him yesterday. I got to read him, but um, I'm pumped. I'm a leader. I own my own company, so I, I'm excited to get in there. I do a lot of my own sales, so maybe you can give me a few tips while we're on here too. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. Man, it's great to be here. Love doing them anytime. Yeah. I love it. Cool. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Man, uh, I'm from all over. Um, yeah. Kind of a nomad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My dad, I remember when we were kids, he said, when we'd be fighting, me and my brother and sister, he said, when you grow up, I hope you live on one end of the country, you, you live on the other, and you live on the other. And I ended up in Alaska. My sister ended up in New York City, and my brother was in St. Louis. So, yeah, he got his wish. <laughs> Dang. You're so, in Alaska? I was. I'm not now, though. So oh. I grew up in St. Louis, state okay. of misery, as I call it. And, um, state of misery, okay. And I had the opportunity to escape Missouri and uh, go to Arizona because I played baseball. So I played college baseball out in Arizona for three years Sweet. and then uh, transferred to California, Cal Baptist University in Riverside, and then went to Alaska to play summer baseball. And baseball was done for me at that point. And, uh, the, you know, when you play summer baseball up there, they get you a job during the day and you play baseball and all that type of stuff. And my job happened to be washing cars at the Honda Acura store. And uh, I was washing cars for guys making 150 grand a year. And my buddy in the big leagues was making 62,500 a year. And I thought, hell, I'll give it a try and see, see how it works out. And 34 years later, I'm still in the car business. So that's kind <laughs> of, uh, it's kind of how I got to where I'm at. And then I spent 11 years in a dealership, pretty much from detailer all the way up to general manager. And uh, then I went to work for a big training company for about 13 years and um, left, went back into a dealership for a year, get tuned back up on all the technology and changes and evolution. And then I started the Kent's Group because I saw the need for new, relevant, up-to-date training that dealt with today's customers, not stuff that was designed in, you know, the 70s and 80s. Not that all the bad, all the stuff's bad. You know, it's everybody says, well, that's old school. Well, there's good old school and there's bad old school, right? And there's Sure. Good new school and there's bad new school. Really, it's 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 you take the best of both worlds and then you can become great. So yeah. that's that's my thirty thousand foot view of where I'm at and how I got to where I was. Cool, man. Where I am. So do you only help people in the automotive arena or do you help entrepreneurs who are selling? Mainly right now, it's mainly car business, RVs, cool. any power sports, uh, all transportation stuff. So it's, you know, it's figure out what you can be the best in the world at and do it. Right? You it. can be jack yeah, of all man. trades or master of none type of thing. I think, uh, I think a lot of people try to try to capture everybody and then you don't really have, you don't have that one focus. So capture that focus and then you can expand as you go. I do have a lot of other, other things that I want to start branching out into. So mainly baseball stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I, um, uh... Yeah, the riches are in the niches, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, 
That's cool. I, I was just out at um I think he's probably your competitor, so I'm sorry if I'm giving him a shout out here, but I was out uh with Andy Elliott and Bradley. Yeah. They just yeah, had out in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um is he would you say he's like a, your competitor? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. he's you know, it's there's different strokes for different folks, right? It's it's you know, with the car business, the funny thing is, is they'll be on your training for a while and then they figure, well, we need to try something new. And then they'll just change up instead of keep doing what you're doing. If you're getting results and become a master of what you're doing, we kind of have ADD and we kind of bounce all over the place and we're looking for the next great, great thing. So right, it's uh, different styles for everybody. So, yeah, they he does a really good job with, with uh, his niche. Absolutely. I tell you what, man, I went out there. I like him, by the way. I like him. I like Brad and, and everything. But I was at the seminar for like eight hours. And, dude, it was like just getting screamed at for eight hours. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, man. And I'm not even in the car business, you know? I'm like, I was there more for Brad and stuff. And I'm like, geez, I'm, this guy's just yelling at me the whole time. I'm not sure. And he, his book seems good, his, his scripts and everything. But I was just like, dang, I paid to be here. <laughs> get yelled at, but, yeah, but yeah, everyone else in the 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 the, the, the seminar was just pumped. They they're sure. fired up by it. Like you said, different strokes for different folks. Because that's not for me. The, uh, I mean, the key is what you do when you get back, right? You can get all the you can get all the best information. You can get your hair on fire, but you know it's 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 kind of like the dog that catches the car. The dog finally catches the car, and it's like, now what? Right, because he's not going to kick the car's ass once he finally catches it. It's the same thing, man. You can go to any train. I don't care who it is. It's what you do when you get back. It's having that discipline, having that drive, having that focus, and and actually doing something, being willing to pay the price. I think a lot of people want success. A lot of people want to. They want to kick ass. They want to dominate. But so many people aren't willing to pay the price. I think we're, you know, I always say we're, we're probably in the the culture of of complacency more than i've ever seen it Mm -hmm. it's it's i think there's so many people that are just comfortable being comfortable and they're not willing to do the hard work because you know in sales man if if you're in sales it's about it's about your words right it's about your scripts words whatever you want to call it and i think the challenge is 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 practicing them because you know we've all done it it's boring as hell to practice scripts. Yes, it is. It's just, it's, it sucks. It's, well, I'd rather go to the driving range or go shoot free throws with my son or go to the batting cage to, and practice because I get a mean if I'm doing good or not, right? In sales, when do you find out if your practice pays off? You don't find out until you actually use it on customers. So I think that's the hard part. You got to be able to fight through the boredom and monotony of practice to become great. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of fall off because it's, it's hard and they're not willing to pay the price. Yeah. You, you read the, you ever read this book, psycho cybernetics? I have not. That's when you got to get into this guy. He talks psycho- about, yeah. Psycho cybernetics, uh, Maxwell Maltz. Um, in this book, it's, it's all about self-image and what you think about yourself and your, your mind. But he also talks a lot about like professional athletes, pro golfers, um, uh, 
you know the the old study with the basketball players who practiced throwing free throws, one didn't yeah. practice at all, and the other group thought about practicing? Yeah, the psychology of winning by Dennis Waitley. He talks about that. Yeah, yeah. So this goes into like um how that actually works and how you can do it. And he talks about salespeople too. And he's like, you can instead of actually verbally practicing it, you can practice it correctly in your mind and how it's going to go with the potential prospect. Yeah. And you actually get better results by doing that than fumbling over your scripts if you're doing it verbally one-on-one. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's, you got to read it, write it, say it, mm-hmm. um, envision it, 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 everything. It all goes together. It, it's totally it's, like you talk about sports. It's so much of sports, right? It's, you know, my background was baseball uh, majority, but man, it's everything you do. You, you tell yourself what you're going to do and it's all going to be right. And you're envisioning what you're going to do and, and it's going to be perfect. It doesn't always come out that way, but man, it's, you know, the old saying, everybody says practice makes perfect. No practice makes permanent. Perfect practice makes perfect. Exactly. And that's, that's the hard part. And it's not just one time you read a script and you got it. It's you have to be willing to do it a hundred times out loud in a row. Repetition is the mother of learning, right? Any spectacular right. achievement was preceded by a bunch of unspectacular practice. And that's, that's what anybody in sales, anybody that wants to be great, you got to be willing to do it. It's no different than you've got NFL training camps going on right now. Those guys are out there doing stuff that they did when they were eight years old yep. and they're doing all the basics. They're doing the fundamentals, footwork, everything, man. And that's what you have to do. It's got to be repeatable, right? It's muscle memory. Mm, totally. What do you think is more important, sales or marketing? Yes. I think <laughs> in today's world, sales is marketing. Marketing is sales. I think there's, I think in the past, um, really, you threw an ad in a newspaper and you generated a bunch of leads. My salespeople, they're, they're marketing nonstop. I was just sitting with Brandon, one of my salespeople, and creating another email campaign that he's sending out. And that's, he's going to send it out to 8,000 people. And it's all about our workshop we just finished up in Indianapolis and uh, setting up the next one, right? That's, that's, it's not just cold calling. That's part of prospecting. So I think really a salesperson in today's world has to constantly be marketing themselves. Otherwise, you're winking in the dark, man. If this was if the if it went black and I started winking and say I'm winking, you'd be like, I can't tell. It's dark. Well, that's what a lot of salespeople they're winking in the dark. People don't even know that they're in sales because they're not out there marketing themselves, building a brand. And I think I think they go together. If, if you'd be the best closer in the world if you're not talking to somebody doesn't really matter exactly right chicken or the egg right yeah you gotta let people gotta know who you are what you do where you work and you know in today's digital world now it's so much easier with doing email blast and text blast and and video texts and i mean my salespeople are constantly doing that to generate their leads to be able to sell sell product to people sell training so um that really to me the answer is both because one without the other is worthless. Yeah. I think the the argument that I like a lot, by the way, I'm biased. I'm in marketing, right? But yeah. um, is that I could take your top closer, give them 10 leads, 10 good leads, 
or take an average or below average sale per salesperson and give them a hundred. And the below average person is going to close more than the, the top closer with 10. Potentially, but my top guy is going to be generating his own leads and I won't have to be spending the money. Right. It's the same. It, Ooh, they yeah, go to, yeah. I remember. So my wife, my wife, this is a long time ago, but she was my newspaper rep, my ad rep in Alaska when I was running a car dealership. And I always remember one time I, she asked how the ads went for the weekend. She came in on Monday. So how was the weekend? I said, the ad was, it was all right. It, it drove a lot of traffic to the dealership. Just nobody bought. She said, well, the ad was good. You guys just can't close anybody. <laughs> Bingo. So, so Bingo. That's, that's, that was my wife. And you know, she wasn't my wife at the time. And maybe that's why she was, but um, it's it's the same principle, right? It marketing you could drive you could drive a hundred people, but if we can't close them, it doesn't matter. Yes, and at the same time, I can have a great closer, but if they're not getting in front of a hundred people, it doesn't matter. So mm. it's uh, those go hand in hand. Yes, uh, I actually had a client recently. I booked him forty nine sales calls for for a ten k offer. They couldn't close one of them. <laughs> and they had a qualified process to be able to book the call in the first place with a certain amount of income. And everything. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Um, and then they look at me like I like I haven't had any ROI from our engagement yet. I'm like, well, no shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's a know? numbers game, man. It's, it's yeah. a numbers game. And you got to be willing to put it out. If something didn't work, then you got to adapt and adjust and 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 keep doing it because you know the crazy thing is is what works now what works today we may do we may do some marketing today and it generates a ton of leads and then we do the same same thing next week and it gets us nothing yep that's just it's it's just kind of how it goes and you can't ever give up and you got to keep pushing and that's Mm. what are we going to do stop advertising because the marketing didn't work no we're going to we have to bob and weave, man. That's what it is. If your game plan didn't work, you better change your game plan. Otherwise, you'll be the Atlanta Falcons losing to the uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl. That's right. That's what happens. They didn't make an adjustment. so mm. And the Patriots did. That's it, baby. No I'm, offense. I'm, I'm, a Patriots, I'm a Patriots fan. So. <laughs> all right. So there you go. The Falcons yeah, yeah. fans all hate my guts right now. I mean, the Patriots fans or Falcons fans hate my guts right now. But yep. it is what it is. It is what it is. That's right. We're we're finally struggling after all this time, but um, I wanted to I want to talk about how many people you have on your on your sales team. Uh, three right now. Three right now. How do yep. you find them? Very slowly. Okay. Right now, you know, it, it's if if somebody's not working, it's because they don't want to work, and finding new people is a challenge. Um, it's a lot of indeed. Um, a lot of social, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of word of mouth, a lot of referrals. Okay, that we really work on. It's what is your for everybody, man? Every business owner right now finding people's your biggest challenge. Yeah, I mean, like that's my challenge right now. I'm ready to start marketing and scaling my business, and I don't have time in my calendar to take any calls. Yeah, I'm like, I need a salesperson. Or I can't even market right yeah. now. You know, it, um, it's. And finding people that are willing to put the time in on the phone, comfortable with being on the phone, uh, not giving up, persistence, and, and it's it's a process to teach guys how to how to handle the phones and how to be good on the phones, right? It's 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 smile and dial, baby, and and uh, if you're not comfortable doing it, 
you're going to go crazy. You know, it, my, my salespeople spend about three ish hours on the phone a day on average is their phone time. And that's what we shoot for. We always look for that three hour time. And that usually gives us the best results. We can usually look at their phone time and the results and they mirror each other. Yeah. So then are they cold calling? Are Some. they calling leads that have, uh, that have raised their hand? Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. They'll, if we have workshops, because we do, uh, I do all my managers and sales workshops at Top Calls, and we'll do them. We'll find certain towns to do them at, and then they'll they'll blanket the whole town with phone calls and uh, the area, hundred mile radius, uh, yeah. with phone calls and emails and texts and videos. <laughs> That's awesome. And then we'll do some social targeting too. Yeah. So what we'll do is, I mean, what I can do is I get booked sales calls. People, you know they decided to book the call and I can't even take it. <laughs> it's like the, yeah. a nightmare over here, but, um, the challenge every business has. Exactly. And then, so do you have any tips for, for someone who like, let's say it's me, like what, what are some things I should be looking for in a salesperson that are like non-negotiable? Non-negotiables. I, I want somebody that, that is competitive Mm-hmm. One one thing that we always ask in interviews is tell me the last time that you were in a competitive situation and how'd you handle it? Okay. And what answer are you looking for? I'm not looking for necessarily the perfect answer, but I'll know when I get the wrong answer. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for the wrong answer. Well, I'm not real competitive. Okay. That'll tell you a lot. Maybe they tell you, well, I guess last time was, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to get a scholarship for marching band and, you know, I had to compete. We had to try out and every day I would go home and my mom would make me go down to the basement and I would have to practice my instrument down there for an hour a day. And she made sure I did it. And I ended up making the team and I got a scholarship uh, for marching band. Well, okay. What's that tell you? Uh, he had to, his mom made him. So he's willing to put the work in, but he needs somebody to stay on top of him to do it. And if you do that, you're going to get success from that person, right? Other people, you're going to find out that they just have no competition. They're not into competition. We're all in this together. We're one big team. I don't, the comp- I don't work for the company. The company works for me. All that bull crap mindset. Yeah, everybody works together. Yes, the company does not. Unless you're writing the company a check, they're not work. They're not working for you, right? It's you got to. I want somebody competitive. I want somebody that hates losing more than they love winning. That's that's what I was looking for. That's that what question, I want. Because I've heard both people, both sides advocated. Uh, I can't remember the argument on the other side, but what's why do you want someone who hates losing? Winning is what you're supposed to do. Losing is what gives you that adrenaline to want to keep getting better. If you come off the field and you're excited just because you want, no, it's why, why is Tom Brady so great? Yeah, because he his what's his desire after every Super Bowl or every win, his mindset is time to get back to work, win another championship. It's not we're just going to celebrate and live it up, and I don't need to work hard anymore because I already won. No, that's over. Now it's time for the next one. You know, Michael Jordan, when he, you know, won his second NBA championship, he held up three fingers. Now it's time to work on number three. That win's over. 
That that's that's done with. It's it's and when they lose, when the great ones lose, they spend more time. If you read Relentless from uh, Tim Grover, I mean, he he talks about Kobe Bryant. If he had a bad game or if they lost, he'd stay at Staples Center until one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, practicing, working on his game because it pissed him off that he let his team down, and the rest of the team was at a in some VIP lounge at the club until, you know, 4 a.m. Right. That was the difference. That was the difference in the mindset. And you have to be willing to, to understand that, man, it, what could I have done better, right? When something happened, even if you win or if you lose, it's what could I do better? Sometimes there's nothing you could have done. You couldn't have got that deal. It wasn't going to happen no matter what. Sometimes if you look at it, what could I have done better? There's a hole there. There's something that we could have done better, and it should piss you off when you lose. It should drive you to want to get out there and kick ass. And, look, it, that mindset, I get it. It's not for everybody. Some people are they, – they don't like it. They don't get it. I don't, that's fine. You, you know, different strokes for different folks type of thing. That's just – that's my mindset. That's how I grew up. I grew up in sports, man, and that's how it is in sports. It's, you're supposed to win, and if you don't win, you're pissed off and – it's time to get back on the field and start working on your game. That's mm. that's so non-negotiables, competitive, and somebody that hates when hates losing more than they love winning. Mm. Now there's a whole lot of other things, but I think those are at the top of the list. Huh. But I think if you ask them the question about competition and competitive situation, you're going to find a lot of that out just with that question. Mm. What about pay structure, man? Weekly, very weekly. I'm kidding. Um, I think you should overpay top producers and underpay bottom producers. Yeah, I think so. I think too many average people are overpaid and too many top people are underpaid. Um, you want great people, you got to be willing. So it, it's, I'm a huge believer in that. And But if you don't perform, you're not going to get anything. Dealerships, car dealerships, we've had that issue for a long time. The, the average salespeople make way more money than they should be making. And the top people, since it's kind of a socialistic style pay plan, they don't make near as much as they should be making. Huh. So, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all about having really good comp structures. I think there's two things on when it comes to pay plans, right? You got, you've got pay plans and you got bonus plans, reward okay. plans. I think you pay to compensate. You bonus to motivate. Okay, so everybody has the same pay plan, right? It's, it's, it's X salary, X percentage, whatever it is. We all have that. Now, the way I, I overpay top people is I, I bonus to motivate. So as you move up in the numbers, now you're making more. But I think a lot of the problem with a lot of pay plans is they always try to find a pay plan to motivate. That's the mistake. Your pay plans aren't designed to motivate someone. Your pay plans are designed to compensate. Bonus and rewards plans are designed to motivate. And if you can separate those two, you're going to get more out of your entire compensation plan. Mm. I like that a lot. Because um, I've been playing with that, you know, toying with the idea of hiring salespeople. Uh, what's it called? A forgivable draw when you um, – Let's yeah. say I paid someone 500 bucks a week, or if they made more commission, they take whatever's more. You know what yeah, I mean? it's basically a guarantee. It's, we have a non-recoverable draw. So it's, 
It's if I pay you $4,000 a month and you make 5,000 in commission, you make 5,000 for the month. Right. If you made 3,800 in commission, you still get 4,000. So it's a non-recoverable draw. So it's, it's not salary plus commission. What do you, what do you find with like your salespeople where like it's little enough to keep them hungry, but enough to keep them fed? You know what I mean? I'd pay, I, you know what, my, that, that draw is going to be whatever it takes to hire the person, right? It's everybody's different that I don't look at them the same. If, if I, if you have somebody that, that is really qualified, they come interview with you and they're used to making eight grand a month, let's just say, you yeah. say, okay, well to start out with us, we're going to pay you two grand guarantee plus commission. Non-recoverable draw, two thousand dollars or three thousand, whatever that number is. But they're used to making eight thousand. I think they're gonna be. I'd I'd be like, well, you know what? Let me talk to my wife and I'll let you know. You'll never hear from me again. I'll ghost you because you're. You know, if if you advertise or say we'll pay you three grand guarantee or a four grand guarantee, you're not going to get people that are making seven or eight thousand dollars a month right now. Mm. If you want to catch the right fish, you got to fish with the right bait. It's if you're advertising a four grand guarantee, who are you going to get? You're going to get people used to making three grand. They're looking for a raise. And that's, <laughs> that's the reality of yeah. whenever you start floating those guarantees out there, four grand. No, I'll pay you what I got to pay you to hire you if you're the right person. And then as your guarantee, you know, when you start, they're not going to be making a lot of commission initially necessarily. Usually it takes time to ramp up. So as, as your commission over time, if I have a, a, a draw, if I have a $4,000 draw, $5,000 non-recoverable draw, well, over time, their commission's coming up. By the time you get six months into this, their commission is higher than what that draw ever was. Oh, wait, but they have be. to have that safety blanket as they're learning. You're just not going to get good people right now. It's, it's hard. I mean, I grew up in the world of you're going to work for a commission. If you don't sell anything, you make nothing. Yeah, I mean that's as a business owner, that's what I want. But yeah, what we want and what we're going to get, you know, we have exactly. to be flexible. So it's it's really, I think the right answer is you pay people what it takes. You pay the right people what it takes to hire them, and then once you hire them, now you got to train them, you got to support them, you got to give them the tools that they need. Otherwise, you're setting them up for failure. Because when you hire somebody, you're hiring them, you're hiring their family, you're hiring everything. If we committed to them that we were going to help them get better. And I think it's it's easy to hire somebody that could be really good, but we just assume they're going to do good. They may have been good at their old job, but they might have had a lot of coaching. Right? You got to be willing to spend the time. I always talk about you know how do kids spell love? T I M E. How do you develop your people? How do you how do your people know that you care about them? T I M E. Spend more time with them, and that's because you're busy. You got to make the time to do that. So, you know, find the right people, pay them what you got to pay them, uh, and don't settle. Really, I think to hire the right people, you got to start looking at your interview as a firing process, not a hiring process, right? In your, I think in an interview, it's really easy to try to select them instead of trying to reject them. It's we're looking for all the reasons we should hire somebody. Yes, and in reality, you need to be looking at why you shouldn't hire that person. Fire them before you hire them, mm. and. And you have to really be careful with, now, I just want you to know, we're looking for people that are willing to come to work to work. 
You need to put a lot of phone time in. You need to be persistent. I want you to hate losing more than you love winning. You need to really learn our scripts. You have to be comfortable doing email marketing, doing video marketing, doing texting, and and you got to be willing to put the time in. How do you feel about that? Well, if they have half a brain in their body, they'll be like, well, I love that. Close the machine. I I can work bell to bell. And then they just summarize, summary close you. So you have to guard yourself as the interviewer not to load their lips, not to tell them what you're looking for. Because that's, look, we've all hired somebody that we looked up two months into it and said, what the hell happened to this person? They're nothing like they were in the interview. Yeah. Yeah. Because you told them exactly what what they needed to tell you to hire them. So, and my hands up on that. I'm guilty of that. So I'm really bad. I let, I let my VP do all the interviews. <laughs> I know my weakness. I think I'm like that too. I mean, I like, I, I'm looking for all the reasons to hire someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it's good to look at that side, but I also need to look at, okay, what could go wrong with this person? Yes. And then once you start looking at it, you'll, you'll do a better job in hiring. And then you got to be willing to pay the good people. That's right. Cool, man. I want to uh, somewhat, we could go on for a million, you know, questions yeah. as far as this goes, but I, I always ask a few questions at the end. I ask every single guest and I, I'd love to do this. What first one's easy. Uh, what's one book everyone should read? The Bible. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm a big believer if you're in sales and competitive psychology winning. Dennis Waitley, it's really it's really easy to read, and it's a good good start to get your mind right on what it takes to be successful in anything in life. Mm. There's a ton of great, and they should read Frictionless, and they should read Fearless. <laughs> Got to put those up. Got it. Um, and then I do this whenever someone's got a book on my podcast, guys. If you want to uh, send me a DM for the first, I don't know, I'll say the first fifty people. You send me a DM, I'll buy the book. You just give me your address, I'll send it out to you. You got it on Amazon? We actually sold out of uh, Fearless <laughs> on Amazon. We're getting ready to ship them 500 more books. I was just okay. talking with my assistant about that, uh, which okay. is a good problem. And uh, But you can go to kinsgroup.com, our shop. We have them on there because we have about 1,500 of them here at the office. We're getting ready to ship about 500 of them. Uh, and then Frictionless. The Closing and Negotiating with Purpose, that is on Amazon, or you can go to the Kent's Group shop also. Sweet. Um, it'll probably be in stock by the time this thing drops, hopefully. Either way, I'll get taken care of. Taken care yeah. of. Um, and then how about this? You said the Bible. What book in the Bible does everyone need to read? Proverbs. It's a good yeah. start. Yeah, it's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that everyone says when um, – when I asked that question, because they said the Bible, it's a good yeah, start for sure. Um, so what's the biggest regret you have in your life? Man, I don't have a lot of regrets. I'm just glad there was no video phones when I was in college. Um, <laughs> man, it's a good question. Not spending more time with my dad while he was alive, I guess. Yeah. Especially now I have kids. Not, mm-hmm. not, not, you know, the older we get, the smarter our parents were. 
Sure. And not, not understanding how precious time is, right? The older you get, the more you value time. And maybe that's why I watch the History Channel because I'm getting closer to being history or something. But <laughs> it's, you know, I, I think that's the lessons we learned that we didn't realize we learned. Like my kids are 12 and 13 right now. And I keep reminding my wife that we're not parents right now. We're counselors. They're past the point of being parents. And now it's, you know, it's all about, now it's not about raising good kids. It's about raising good adults, right? Mm. It's, I don't want to raise them to be good kids. I want to raise them to be good adults. So, yeah. And I think you notice that stuff though, as you have kids. Huh? Yeah. I love that question. It always, um, I love that question because it brings to light what really matters in life. Yeah. For, with every single guest. Sure. And, you know what I mean? That all this stuff is for that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not the decisions in life you regret. It's the indecisions. The indecisions. Ooh, I like that quote. Yeah. It's, it's the things you look back that you didn't do, not what you did do. Hmm. I don't, I don't ever, I don't regret the decisions I made and, and moving forward at the time it was the right decision. At least seem like it. Right. Now, I, not always the right choices within the decisions, but the decision was right. It's the things you look back on that you didn't actually do and wishing you would have done it earlier. Huh. Like Maybe that. buying Yahoo stock 25 years ago. Right. Yeah, Apple stock. Right? <laughs> we can all have those little. For real. Things. Yeah. Bitcoin yeah. when it was seven bucks or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, um, those are all minor things, man. And for sure. Big picture. There's no U-Haul behind your hearst. Yeah. Um, that's right. You get to go back in time. You get to talk to your younger self. You can go back to any age you want to go back to. And you get to tell yourself three sentences and then you disappear. When you're younger, you know it's your older self. You can trust because it's you, right? What age would you go back to? What are the three sentences you would say? I want you to say that first, and then after, if you want to explain why, you're please do. But if you don't, that's okay too. No, I, I would. I'd go back to my freshman year in college, and and tell myself, man, it, it's you're not as smart as you think you are. Trust your coaches. Every day when you wake up. Ask yourself, what are you going to do today to be better than you were yesterday? And then follow through on it. And when you go to bed at night every day, ask yourself, based on what I did today, am I better than I was yesterday? And if at night, because the first the question you ask in the morning means nothing if you don't follow through. And at night, when you, when you ask yourself, am I better, better today than I was yesterday? If you can't say yes, don't piss away another day. One thing you don't get back is time. You can go to time.com. You can't buy more time. And I would have, I would have challenged myself to be, to, to push. I, I had tons of potential, insane potential in baseball. I would have challenged myself to work harder and to have more discipline and focus on my coaches more and what my coaches said more. Mm. That's probably the biggest difference. Yeah. Because I was going to be a big league baseball player. I knew it. It didn't yeah. happen, but it was. And hindsight being 2020, I look back and there was, there was 
you know, I was the cocky 18 year old kid that thought he owned the world. I bet. Yeah. Same thing. And the good news is I'm still in touch with all my coaches and I talk about them in the book, fearless coach Kazanis that, you know, even to this day, when I hang up, he'll always remind me, Hey, keep your nose clean, Tim. He'll say that every time we get off the, <laughs> off the phone. And he was just, he was that father figure. Right? He was, he was the guy that told my dad when we did a recruiting trip that he said, I can't promise that your son's going to be a major league baseball player, but I can't promise that he's going to come in as a boy and he's going to leave as a man. And that was the one thing that he was great. And, and I, I guess I have a regret that it's not really a regret is that he, he ended up leaving my team after a couple of years to go work for the Oakland A's. So I didn't have him around for the last year or so of me playing baseball. Huh. But yeah, yeah that, that would be, Listen to your coaches and trust your coaches. What are you going to do today to be better than you were yesterday? Based on what you did today, are you better than you were yesterday? That would be, yeah. Th- that would be something that I would set my life around as an eighteen-year-old. That was the quickest answer to that question I've ever gotten. Oh. <laughs> that's good. good. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know either. But it, but I was, I just I thought it was interesting. Norm, people normally have to sit with that for a while. Yeah. Um, but that's great advice. Um, think about that. It's simple. I like that. It's simple because, like, um, yeah. a lot of times it's like you got to do X, Y, and Z, then A, B, and C, then this, this, and this, and this, this, and this. It's like no, just ask this one question when you wake up, this one when you go to bed, and that's it. Because it's all situational. If that's if that's if that's what you do for your entire life, mm-hmm. then no matter what stage you're at, whether it's a kid in college playing baseball, whether it's it's uh, salesperson that's getting real estate. If as you move through the stages of your life, they mm-hmm. still apply. Sure, it's, it may not be trust your listen and trust your coaches. Maybe listen and trust your your superior your supervisors or managers. But it's still the same principle. Right, right, cool. Unless oh, your managers, unless your managers suck, and then don't listen to them. Then they got to go hire Tim Kim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because. You know, if you make yourself great, I always say there's no such thing as as job security. There's just employment security. And if you make yourself great, you're always going to be hireable. There's always going to be something out there for you. But don't think you're just going to hang on to a job just because in today's world. It's always moving, man. You got to keep getting better. Mm -hmm. Where can everyone go follow you, man? Kinsgroup.com. And then on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're on there, but kinsgroup.com has tons of information. Um, shop, got all the books on there and, and planners, everything like that. So I'm out there on social all over. Every other day we got posts going. So cool, You'll man. See it. Yeah. Yeah. I see it. I see it. You're up there killing it. You yeah. got your whole social media team and everything. Otherwise, I'd be trying to sell you with me, but you got it all going on. So yeah, they do a great job. Yeah, they do. They do. It's important. Like I said, otherwise you're winking in the dark if you're not putting it out there. That's it. That's it. Awesome, guys. Well, go follow him. Share this one out. Leave me a review. I want more people like Tim on my podcast. I can't do it without some some clout. So please go rank this up. I appreciate everyone listening. If you made it this far, it means you really liked it. So share it out. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you again, Tim, for being on here. I, you took time out of your day. It means the world to me. And I'm sure it helps someone on the other end listening to this. So thank you, man. I love it. Let's do it again. Yeah, 100%. I'll have you right back on. Catch you All right. right.